Welcome to Don Rodwell Magnardi. We're live at Mohawk Chevrolet in Clifton Park, right off Exit 9. It's where I got my beautiful, brand new laser. And I gave you a little tour of it. Maybe I'll show the next time we're up here. It's a little with all the ice and snow we got going back. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't shown it to me. I'm a little disappointed. There's a reason for that. Yeah, what do you like about it? Well, first of all, I mean, in in upstate New York, in the winter, you need four-wheel drive. No so that is A, number one, but it's got a great engine, V6, right? I mean, it's got the weight to get you through some of the winter in the, uh, in the capital region. It's got the panoramic sunroof. It's got all the technology you could possibly want. And it's blacked out, man. It's a beautiful looking vehicle. It is. I, I, did, I did post it on my Facebook and, uh, and Instagram. You can look for it there uh, as well. But uh, we're happy to be here every single month at Mohawk Chevrolet. Our thanks to the Herodin family, Jeff Herodin, Andy Gelcher, uh, Katie Gattuso Duncan, who really helped me with my vehicle, as well as the salesman, uh, Joe Tansky. So, Bags, we'll, we'll get you into a, a Chevy or a Honda one of these days, I'm sure. Big show coming up here because we're branching out a little bit, which has kind of been our hope here since we got the show going almost a year ago. You believe that? Yeah. Some people in the entertainment industry. Keenan Thompson has a brand new show on NBC. It starts tonight. We're going to talk with two SNL stars, Keenan Thompson and Chris Redd. They're absolutely hilarious. They will critique our kitchen and interior design. We'll also talk to two stars from Young Rock, which also starts tonight on NBC. But a lot going on in terms of some NFL uncertainty. J.J. Watt, right, what are his best landing spots? I've got my top five. And some interesting comments from Draymond Green last night about is there a double standard in the NBA when it comes to how players and teams handle trades? Let's get it going. In this case, two is not better than one. Who are any of these guys? You're doubling it. You're doubling it. That's major. They were the best team last year, and they just got a whole lot better. This is Honorado and Bagnardi. Driven by Mohawk Honda and Mohawk Chevrolet. All right, Bags, as we said, we are live at Mohawk Chevrolet in Clifton Park. Did you see the comments from Draymond Green last night? He goes out and ties a career high with 16 assists. His Warriors beat the Cavaliers, but Dre was focused on the guy who wasn't dressed and playing for Cleveland, Andre Drummond. Yep, so I did see the comments. Uh, interesting. They were a little meandering to me, but um, I guess the point that there's a double standard is is true, but I guess shouldn't there be would be my question for you. Um you know, if a guy is traded or about to be traded, what does he expect the team to do, right? I mean, you shouldn't play a guy like that. I think we would all agree that the new team wouldn't want that, and it wouldn't make sense for him to be on the floor if he's not going to be on the team for very much longer. Um, as far as him talking about you need to maintain your professionalism, I think that is the standard across the board. That, that should be the expectation from the team perspective and from the player perspective of, as well. I'm not sure that it isn't maintaining professionalism by handling a player differently if they're about to be traded. You know what I mean? Here's what Draymond said. Uh, to watch Andre Drummond before the game, sit on the sidelines, then go to the back, come out in street clothes because the team is going to trade him. It's full. 
Because when James Corden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, he was castrated, interesting choice of words, for wanting to go to a different team. Everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team could come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy, and then the guy has to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer. And he's not good in someone's locker room, and he's the issue. So I think, look, Draymond's not stupid, and I, I enjoy him whenever he pops on to NBA on TNT because I do think he makes some, some good points. He's got good perspective from the player side of things. He's not wrong that there is a double standard, but begs to your point, like, yeah, unfortunately, like, that's the way it is, and Draymond's making a point here that shouldn't the players be empowered more? There's no professional league in sports that empowers the players more than the NBA right now. Agreed. And so – if what the players aren't getting is enough for Draymond, I don't know how much more you can possibly expect to get. The players own the NBA. If a guy says he wants out, that guy gets traded bags 100% of the time. Where in the NFL, we may see Deshaun Watson say, I want out. And the Texans might say, you know what? Too bad. You're our quarterback. We're keeping you. And if you decide to sit, well, then we're going to keep your money as well. That never happens in the NBA. Guy says he wants out. He always gets out. Yeah. And my, my follow-up to Draymond will be, what, what do you want the team to do in that case if you're going to move a guy? I mean, what do you think his answer would well, be? I'm not sure. But what, where is the absence of professionalism, I guess? I that think Draymond's you- issue is when a guy, when a player asks for a trade, he gets banged on. Right, this guy's not a team player. Remember what happened with Anthony Davis? He asked for a trade. Then the Pelicans were like, well, then obviously we're not going to trade you. Or we're not going to play you. Draymond's saying, why does this information get out from the team? Right? Why isn't that level of professionalism held up on the team's part where you want to trade a guy, okay, but why does it have to play out in the public the way it seemingly always does? Yeah, I guess, and I'm, and it's it's certainly not out of the question for a, a team to leak some information, maybe to try to get something get something moving. But yeah, so if that's going on, then I would agree with them there. But let's be clear: on the other side of things, what what James Harden did is completely wrong, right? I mean, I, look, you can't you can't use one to justify the other either. And I'm not saying he was trying to do that. I think he was really focusing on the team and saying the teams need to do better as opposed to saying, well, we as players then need more leeway when we're demanding a trade. And it was more about the other side of it. But that being said, you can't. You have to be careful not to make it sound like you're condoning what James Harden did because that's the complete absence of professionalism. Now, look, if a guy is unhappy, I guess the, the question then becomes where – where does the professionalism line go to, right? Where is it drawn in terms of what that player should be able to do to say, I want more or I'm unhappy or I want to get out? I think it's a, it's a fair point. I think they should have some leeway in that regard. But to go out there and to completely dog it, to use his words, and to show up out of shape like James Harden did, that's obviously not the right approach. Yeah, look, Harden ignored all of the social distancing and COVID protocols before arriving to Rockets camp. I mean, the dude was being a bad teammate before he even got to camp, right? He was being selfish. And then he gets there and it's known that he wants out of Houston, but he continues that selfish attitude in his fitness and even in his play and his comments. It was an ugly situation. You're right. If Draymond wanted to choose 
an example. You probably should have gone with Anthony Davis, mm. right? Where Davis had done so much for that franchise and tried to, I think, handle it as diplomatically as he could. And then it obviously got very ugly because Davis was like, well, I'm not going to play. And the team was like, good, because we're not going to play anyway. And, and that was a disaster at the end of it. None of it ever ends well. Right, I mean, yeah. find me a breakup that is done amicably. No. Okay, it but, just doesn't happen. Right, but so so, is there an answer then to my question? Where, what right does the player have when they're unhappy and they want out? I mean, look, you could you could say from the team perspective, too bad. You're in a contract. We're paying you an awful lot of money. Don't care if you're happy or not. Go out and do your damn job. There are a lot of people in America who go to work and they're not happy with it. They got to go there and do their job. Okay, but. Is there a difference in professional sports? And again, where is that line? Can an athlete voice their concern? What's the right way to do it? I think we would agree going to management and saying, hey, I'm not happy is something that you might classify as the right way to do something, but it's also probably not the thing that would get you what you want. So what can you do to maybe get what you want, but stay on the professional side of things? That I think is a tough line for players. Okay, fine, but I'm just going to use from the NBA perspective here. Again, every guy who has asked for a trade gets that trade. Do we know that for sure? We only know it because those are the ones who make it public and make it, I'll say, unprofessional to some degree about their approach. Are the guys who are approaching it professionally maybe stuck in, in that situation? We don't find out. I don't know. I think if you went to management and you said, I want to trade or I'm not going to play that guy's going to get traded at some point. Now, does that leak to the media? Probably. All this stuff always gets right. out. It just does. Well, and eventually if you if you hold true to it and you're not playing, yes. then people are going to know. There's going to be a reason. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a problem with players forcing their way out. Um, I never like to compare professional sports to the private sector or even you know, somebody working in the public world, right? You and I both work for a private company mm-hmm. um we get to choose where we work right like if we're so unhappy we can leave right players come out of college yeah and they get drafted to a team they don't have that choice now that team has their rights for five years if they're a first round draft pick then they get bird rights right where they yeah. can match contract so there's not a lot of freedom right off the bat for a lot of these yeah players. i see where you're going so if you are three four years in and you are unhappy and you want out you have to really kind of disrupt things mm-hmm. and i guess be borderline unprofessional if we want to use that word to yeah. get out and into a better situation what's so wrong with that that maybe gives you one pass but we're talking about superstars oftentimes in this league who have gotten their way to another situation, gotten their way to a team where they want to be, right? Like Kyrie Irving. He he wound up in Boston because he felt like there was a chance to win there, right? If he didn't want to be in Boston, he wouldn't have been in Boston. Well, he wanted out of Cleveland. He wanted out. Because there are guys who, who yeah. just can't play second fiddle, and Kyrie's one of them. He didn't want to be in Cleveland Fine. with LeBron. Right, but he, he got himself into a situation that he was comfortable with. If he didn't want to be in Boston at all, he wanted to end it up there. And then what? Didn't work out. He didn't want to be there. They didn't really want him there. So it's like, how many passes do you get? A guy like James Harden, you know, he was a star in Houston. He put in his work in Houston. Does does he then get to decide, no, I'm done. I want to. I mean, look, it's you have to do your job, too. 
right? I, I agree with what you're saying that it is a lot different because we do get to choose where we go. But these guys are making so much money, man, to to play a game, and they're they're under contracts that to me they should have to honor. Uh, you know, in a way that like people in the private sector okay. might not have as much invested in. Here's another thought, and Brian Perry agrees with you, man. He's, I mean, first he said they get the hell out. Yeah, and a lot of these guys are, they're getting kicked out the door. And I think fans feel that way a lot of times too with some of these players. Brian agrees with you to, you know, honor that contract. Ash beat me to the point. Are we feeling bad for NBA players who get drafted to bad NBA teams? In a way, yes. Like some teams are just dysfunctional, and franchises are not able to build any kind of winning culture. Like yeah, if you're if you're getting drafted to a bad team, you're probably a good player, right? If you're going yes. high, so that then becomes your job to turn around the culture there, and that's the real professionalism that I want to see. Is not this situation is bad? I want out. This situation is bad. How can I make it better? Let me try to, especially if I'm a big superstar. Let me see who I might be able to recruit here. If I don't think management is doing a good enough job to surround me with better talent, and look, have some tried that and have that failed too? Yes. And well, but- on that point, Harden talked his way into a couple of trades. He wanted Houston to do some things. Yeah. They went out and got guys for him. It didn't work. And look, if you ask my me my opinion, Harden's the reason it didn't work. His play is not conducive to him being the A number one, and then it equaling wins. That yeah. doesn't have – that's not his game. It's not who he is. He's a very talented player. And, man, the stats will will just make you drool. But but they don't equal wins in the playoffs. So Harden has asked for a lot in Houston. He got some of it, but he didn't deliver in the biggest moment. So there is the second side of things like, well, now wait a minute. Who is exactly asking for the trade? Have you built up the equity that you deserve to maybe, maybe force your way out? Like I don't think anybody would have – would have blamed Giannis for leaving Milwaukee. He would have looked at him and said he wants to kind of just find a better situation, surround himself with some other players. But the difference to me, you brought up contracts. The difference to me is when you have an opportunity to leave as a free agent, leave. Or if you have an opportunity to bet on yourself and not sign an extension maybe earlier than you should, like I'm thinking about De'Aaron Fox right now. Right. Because Sacramento – Come on, is that team ever going to win anything ever again? The they don't play any defense. Learn well. But De'Aaron Fox took the money. Now, do I blame him? No. If somebody put more than $100 million in front of me, am I taking it? Yes, because I don't want to risk the injury. But once you take that contract, I think I fall more on your side. That like you, you know what you're in. You know what you're committing to. You're taking the money. There's nothing wrong with that. But now don't tell me a year and a half later. You're so unhappy with the situation. It has not changed. This is what Sacramento is. That is what Houston was. So don't tell me that, well, I only took the money because I really thought this would change and a year and a half later. No. And that's what we're seeing now in the NFL with Sean Watson. People are saying, hey, he took this contract. You knew what was going on behind the scenes with Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby and the way that the McNairs run that. I know you, you saw the money and you thought, I better take it because the NFL, nothing's guaranteed. But now don't tell me it's such a dysfunctional franchise. How much do you think this will ultimately affect the legacy of players? Now, I, I think for a guy like James Harden or somebody who doesn't win, it's going to be attached more. But I'll ask you about LeBron because there's obviously been heavy criticism about how he has handled his departures and arrivals in new places. Does it affect his legacy, you think? Is it a, is it a part of his legacy or is it canceled out by the winning? 
I think it's canceled out by winning. Yeah. And when you look at the way LeBron handles his business bags, I don't ever remember him making such a big deal at a post-game press conference or in the offseason about this. They're not doing this for me. They're not doing that for me. Now, now he has played kind of, you know, person moving the chess pieces on the board it has of late but remember early there was a lot in the, the initial cleveland run about like i don't have enough here well right? yeah i mean ilgauskas and snow and you know yeah i get it uh but but he won but he won and you right. always felt like he was giving max effort i don't ever know he has taken some nights off not lately which is really impressive but he just always has felt like a max guy to me, max effort player. And so you couldn't ever question, like, well, LeBron's not giving his all. Right, he's not showing up out of shape. No. Yeah, ever. Ever, man. He's still playing at the absolute height of his game. And I've fe- I have felt like that really throughout his career. Even though he may be unhappy with the situation, I never really saw it on the court except for the one time, yep. and that was his last game in Cleveland yeah. the first time. Yeah. Right? They get knocked out of the playoffs by the Celtics. He takes off the jersey, yeah. storms off the court, doesn't shake hands, and everybody was kind of like, not a great look. But it right. did signal exactly how he felt about the situation at the time. Is, is the NBA the Diva League simply because it is the one – pro sport where really one individual athlete can make the biggest difference is that is it as simple as that yeah and i don't know that i don't know that it that they are just divas i think your second half of the statement is right that one player make can make all the difference in the world but you have superstars who aren't divas well okay but is 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 that the reason why athletes in the nba are allowed to get away with more of this than athletes in other leagues or is it just how the league handles its business or does the league handle its business because it's that way and it's the league where you have those those superstars who can really control things on the floor more than any other even more than a, you know a quarterback in the NFL can't do it on their own NBA you you can we've talked about this because it is the one sport where we may be quarterback in the NFL but yeah. you're not guaranteed to have the ball it is the one sport where your superstar is guaranteed to make the big play, or at least be in position to make the big play. It is the one sport that is easiest for fans, I think, to identify with superstars. There are only five guys on the court once. There are probably only two real stars on every team. You see them, right? There's no helmet. Right. Uh, They don't have to wait their turn to get to the plate. the sneakers. They play on both ends, the too, by the way. Yes. Yep. It, it just, it, it's marketed in a way where we are drawn more towards individual players. Or I hear Mike Greenberg say this all the time. That he has a son who I think maybe just went to college. He roots for players, not mm. teams. He doesn't have a favorite team. He has favorite players. And he will watch games just based on if he likes the players yeah. in that game. It isn't like he roots for the Lakers or the Celtics or the Nets or whoever. He roots for LeBron, Durant, and Tatum. Or, you know, you identify with singular guys. It doesn't really happen in most other sports. So that empowers the players. I think the league has to adjust to keep the stars happy because they understand the impact, one, in winning, but also in dollars. 
Like this guy sells jerseys, he sells sneakers, he sells tickets when people are allowed in the building, all of that stuff. So the league's so, making that big investment, yeah. maybe Draymond should shut up. I mean, really. Well, yeah, I think I think Draymond is whether or not he realizes that he's in the league that players are allowed to get away with the most. And he's asking for more. And I think at some point people are gonna get fed up and say, You're already getting this power we're giving you now. You, you want more? Right. Can't give you more. This is a league that still has to be owned by teams and coached by coaches. We can't give you some teams give a lot to players. It doesn't always work. Yeah, man. I, I agree with you. And uh <laughs> Danny, yeah, true. So, yeah, well, how could you not? Senior player, how couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he is a Knicks fan. Look, you can root for Emmanuel quickly and Julius Randle, who, by the way, dropped 44 last night. That investment in New York has certainly worked out for the Knicks, even though when I first saw the contract a couple of years ago, I thought they're going to regret that one. They haven't yet. That team plays defense, man. I know they gave up 112 last night to the Hawks, but the previous three games, they held their opponents under 100. Gibbs is making a difference. Oh, there's no doubt. He's he's making a difference there. He's the kind of guy who – if he hits, you know, they'll, they'll play for you. And and they're playing for him right now. He is speaking a message that is being received by that team, and that's showing up on the court with a team that isn't overly talented. They're putting it together and playing some team defense. And in today's NBA, that, that can make a huge difference. And when you got a guy like Randall going for 44, which is like 28 in the NBA we grew up in, um, that's, that's a great offensive night, and that's going to be enough to get you a W. All right, we're live at Mohawk Chevrolet in Clifton Park. Uh, coming up on Honor Auto and Bagdari, our conversation with two stars from SNL, now in a new NBC sitcom called Keenan. Of course, talking about Keenan Thompson and his buddy Chris Red. That's next on Honor Auto and Bagnardi live from Mohawk Chevrolet. We're going to play a game called Who Got the Better Kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> Right now, right now, he got the better kitchen because it is a kitchen. Current appliances yeah, right there, yeah, man. yeah. She That's right. That. Oh. Identical kitchen. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Identical kitchen. <laughs> the same house. Yeah. No. <laughs> I lead a busy lifestyle and wanted a vehicle with the space I need and loaded with bells and whistles. Dre was fun to work with and found a great deal for me to find new roads at Mohawk Chevrolet. And right now, you should reserve your 2021 Silverado because we can't keep them in stock during truck month at Mohawk Chevrolet or cash in on 0.9 financing on select 2020 models for up to 72 months right now during truck month at Mohawk Chevrolet. I'm Kimmy from Clifton Park and that's my story and this is my Mohawk Chevrolet where they always go out of their way to please you. Now back to Honorado and Bagnardi. We're back at Mohawk Chevrolet in Clifton Park right off exit nine. I'm loving my brand new blazer especially with all this ice and snow we've got coming this week, Shawnee. Yeah, man, I, you know, I'm going to take a look here. We got a little time between this work and our yeah. other work. And uh, I think after here, I'm going to go out in that lot right there and uh, just take a peek. You know, it's not the best day. There's snow and ice everywhere, but just to get an idea. Yeah, definitely. You're going to love the panoramic, panoramic moonroof, uh, the heated seats, of course. And it's got all the technology you want. And, uh, and a great engine built, of course, the American way by Chevy. Uh, we've got a brand, a couple of brand new shows. We're going to talk to stars from both of them on today's show, starting on NBC and News Channel 13 tonight, 8 o'clock, Young Rock, followed by Keenan 
at 8.30. We caught up with two of the stars of the show from SNL, Kenan Thompson and Chris Redd. NBC's got a brand new show. It's going to be a hit because everything these two guys do absolutely hilarious. We're joined by Kenan Thompson and Chris Redd. The show Kenan premieres Tuesday, February 16th, 8.30 on NBC. And, of course, News Channel 13. Bags, we try to be funny. We know funny is hard. These guys make it look easy. Keenan, man, let me, let me start with this. You're from Atlanta. Are you a Braves, Falcons, or Hawks fan? You know Atlanta people. You know that I am. I am all of that Atlanta loyalty. For sure. All right, so I got a couple of guys we need you to root for. From our area, which is Albany, Ian Anderson, who's a pitcher for the Braves, from a high school up here, covered him. Kevin Herter, who's on the Hawks from here as well, man. Oh, snap. Okay. Albany representing in the A. I like yeah, to see that. Y'all, got see, y'all breeding athletes up there? <laughs> <laughs> they, they ain't got nothing to do, I don't think. They ain't got nothing to do. Yeah, it's, it's be a, good. Yeah, yeah. Be Some good. of the capital of New York. Is that's what right. I find here. Yeah, that's, that's a fascinating, a, thing. It's a fascinating thing. Y'all have a great comedy scene. I, I can only relate to places based on comedy. Yeah. I, I just go do comedy in all these cities. Yeah, it's, as long as it's got a good scene, it must be a good scene. yeah. yeah. How do you get a a network to launch a new show in a pandemic, man? How'd that come together? I mean, it's, you know, it's got to happen because they have all these things in place. They've been paying all these people to get the, like, episodes written and done and scheduled and cast and deals being made. Like, they had to shoot it. Like, um, they're way down the paper trail at this point. So they just had to figure out a way to get it done and get it out to the people. And I, I got to give them their credit, man. I think they've done a phenomenal job because yeah. I think the show looks great. And, and I think it's reaching, you know, who it needs to reach. And, you know, it's on us to reach all the people that they haven't done with the big machine and stuff like that. But the machine is working. Guys, t- talk about some of the differences between what you do on SNL and the scripted version of entertainment like this kind of sitcom. Is there that improv feeling for you guys, and how do you take what you know from SNL and use it in what you're doing now? SNL has trained us to help build what we're building here on a daily basis. Like, we find a new ending to a scene probably for every scene, you know what I'm saying? And to have to think, like, that quick and on the fly to try to get to something that we think is going to be a really funny thing, guaranteed, and just feel good about it until months later when people actually get to watch it, that's all SNL training. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it, and it, 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 SNL really teaches you how to change things on the fly so quickly and pick up uh, rearrange jokes so fast. Whereas like on on the um, single cam, it's narrative based, but you but we have the freedom here to improvise and find those moments and shows the cast mm-hmm. and and uh, just I love improvising. So uh, any, any cast mate would probably tell you that. And I go, I go, you give me a little inch, I'll take a mile and a half, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just trying to find just different ways to like make make the make the scene just fun and just always trying to beat jokes and 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 they're and they've been open from the writers, the EPs have just been very open about us finding what's natural for us, finding what's funny for us. And then I think that comes out, comes over in, in into the into the episodes too, because you can just kind of see the chemistry. Chris, you get to play the funny uncle. Everybody wants to be the funny uncle, but I'm I'm a little worried, man. You're rubbing off on the two girls too much. Is this a, is this a fun role for you to embrace? It is, man, because um, 
being being broke all through my 20s trying to chase comedy, uh, everybody was starting families. And I just it was I was the funny uncle because I was broke. But so so my job going back home in Mississippi with all my family was just to be the fun, fun, funny uncle. I would just give all the kids candy. We run out and play. Then I send them home. They'd be all wired up. And my aunties be calling me like, hey, could you please stop wiring up my kids and sending them home? <laughs> and so a little bit of that is in Gary and that he just like just uh it's just immediate, man. When I met the girls, it, it, they were immediately like my little cousins. Uh, same exact energy, and uh, I just, I just love it. I, I love getting, uh, getting them in, into some mischief. You know what I mean? And just, to, just to, uh, being the uncle that they can come to when they may be uh, too nervous to come to their dad or whoever else. Ooh, all those know. episodes is coming up too. I know I got to let you guys go, but Keenan, I got one more for you here. Okay, just real quick. If you had to play one character for the rest of your life, because I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other day watching you guys. If you had to play one character the rest of your life, would it be Dexter Reed, Russ Tyler, DeAndre Cole, or Darnell Hayes? Man. I'm going to go with DeAndre, man, because I just want that circus to continue. Like, I think we damn near should do the What's Up With That movie just to see how Uh, big we can stretch the ridiculous of that. So I I think we're going to focus on that, actually. So DeAndre Cole. Plus, I enjoyed Dion Cole. His stand-up special was incredible. So there you go. That was fun with those guys. That was fun talk Chevrolet now. Uh, really cool to catch up with Keenan Thompson and Chris Red. Their new show called Keenan premieres tonight, Tuesday, February 16th at 8.30 on NBC. They were fun. They were fun, man. And uh, it was it's nice. You know, obviously they're doing a, a, a press tour thing where they're doing a lot of these hits with media back to back. But, you know, and that's something that can like really drain on you and it can be like repetitive, blah, blah. But they were they were great. They were it was like it was the first interview. Right. And that's that's a testament to those guys. And uh, yeah, man, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this uh, this show tonight with Keenan. Um sitcoms are good man sitcoms if you find the right one you can just ride with it right you could and obviously you can't with a new show binge it but i love when you get on a sitcom or you like rediscover it later and you're like oh i can watch like 10 of these in a row i think a lot of people do that with like the office right yep um parts and rec is one for me where i got on it late and was able to watch a bunch so hopefully this one reaches that level right where it's like you can just sit and watch 10 in a row at some point we did that exact thing with The Office. Um, when you're watching something heavy, like, um, well, I mean, I, like Dan Levy, our our colleague now, is is what he's binging Homeland. Like sometimes yeah. you gotta need a little bit of a break from a show like that. Right. Uh, so you, it's nice to have The Office in the back pocket. We just started Veep, which I'd never seen. Ash hadn't either. Um, Julia Louis Dreyfus is just hysterical. So that's now kind of like our light show where we need to take. A break from something, and um, Seinfeld is the ultimate. Oh, yeah, well, you know, where you could just go on. back. But you know, Friends is another one from our our era yep. where you can. I could just sit and watch a bunch of those too. So good luck to Keenan, man. This is going to be a, a different opportunity for him. It'll be exciting to see him, such a talented guy, in in that one specific role we're so used to. I like seeing these these entertainers going a little bit out of the realm. And, I mean, it's similar, but it's different enough to where, like, oh, let's see what he's got doing something else, right? It's almost like if we got to see an athlete try a different sport, 
you know, now we'll see what he can do in the in the different kind of narrative scripted genre. Um, all right, one thing we didn't get to, and we'll talk to two of the co-stars uh, from Young Rock coming up, which is also premiering tonight on NBC. One thing we didn't get to in the first block here, Bags, is Duke freshman Jalen Johnson is opting out of the season about three weeks ago. Duke is, I don't know if they're on the bubble, but they could probably still win their way into the NCAA tournament if they chose. Ashley's shaking yes, her head. Now. They have a shot. They're 8-8, eight eight, so they're not out, right? And in, in this season, if you can get Duke into the NCAA tournament, I think the committee would find a way. But this star freshman, who's the sixth-ranked NBA prospect, he's number one at his position, which is small forward, has said, you know what? I'm good. I'm done. I'm opting out. Do you have a problem with him doing it this late on a team that isn't so good? And then I'll throw one more at you. He's recently been coming off the bench and not starting. Mm, yeah. Now you have all that information. Yeah. I prefer guys honor the commitments they make to teams. Um, you know, this isn't a professional situation, right? So we have to keep that in mind. He's not being paid for his services there. Um, but there is still that that understanding. There's there's a team commitment that you make. So I'd rather he, he do that. But at the same time, you have the right to opt out of playing basketball. Yeah, in but does this bother you? Does this like for me when I was growing up? I, if you started a season, my yeah. parents always said to me, "You're finishing it." Now, I understand you don't like it, and if at the end of it all you decide you don't want to play soccer ever again, then you don't have to. But you signed up for this season. Right. You told the coach you were going to play. You told your teammates you were going to play. You are going to play. Is he going to give the scholarship money back? <laughs> no. No, he isn't. And I, then I do have a problem with it. Yeah, I, I do too. Now, here's where I don't have a problem. If Duke were to – I'm going to talk it out of both sides of my mouth here, and I'm going to use the college football example. Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette became kind of the poster boys for this. They play the full regular season. They then make what is a meaningless ball game. I'm sorry, they're they're meaningless. If you're not the college football playoff, the rest of them are meaningless. They decide we're not going to play. We're going to make sure we're still healthy for the NFL draft. They don't want to risk the, the possibility that in one game you get injured. So from Jalen Johnson's standpoint, play the rest of the regular season with Duke. If you decide that you don't want to be in the NIT, I can live with that. That's me. I'm good. You played the regular season. You are now in, for Duke's purposes, a meaningless postseason tournament. You don't want to play. You want to make sure you're healthy for the NBA draft. I get it. I, that I could live with. This, I'm not so cool with. Yeah, I would say honor your commitment. Uh, give back the scholarship money or else play. Because that's the deal. Whether you're essentially getting paid in that sense for your services to go play basketball, and unless you're going to give back your end of the deal on that, then you got to honor your end of the deal on that. I like this comment from Ash. You're right. Opting out, we just now kind of use, right. and it's an excuse to say I don't feel like playing anymore. Right. It, it, we 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 railed on Cespedes for this. Yep. He started, couldn't hit. The Mets stunk. He decided I feel unsafe. No, right. This oh, is yeah. not how it works. You know what you are signing up for. Yeah. Don't tell me now that you feel unsafe. Yes, we all have the right to change our minds and our opinions about things, but you have gone through the majority of this season. You've come back, even Jalen Johnson, from injury. 
You now don't like the fact that you're coming off the bench, not starting for a team that isn't very good. This is a bad look on you. If I'm an NBA team, right, we're talking about guys quitting on bad teams. Yeah. If you take him in the top ten, is he going to a good team? No. What is his reaction and attitude going to be towards a team that loses two years in and he decides, I don't want to be part of this anymore? It's a good point. It's certainly a bad look. It's something NBA teams will consider um, if they see enough talent there that will win out in their decision-making process. But you're right. Look, this is a bad look. And as long as we'll throw in there the one caveat of, you know, there could be something that we don't know about, right, especially in today's day and age. But, yes, if this is as things appear, then it, it is a bad look and he should honor his commitment to the team. Uh, J.J. Watt is out in Houston. That was the big NFL news in the last week. Um, and a lot of people, I'm just, I just want to get to this right away, and then we'll talk about maybe where we think the best spot is for Watt. A lot of people, of course, look at the Deshaun Watson situation in Houston and the J.J. Watt situation, and they're comparing the two. You can't compare them. They're not even close, people. Let's not bring race into it either, okay? Because I understand that's the popular thing to do when it comes to the Texans organization is how they treat white players versus black players. This is completely different. You were talking about J.J. Watt going to management and saying, give me a shot to win. Release me. Let me pick the team I get traded to. This works out for both sides. Watt gets to pick his new team. The Texans get to save a ton of money on the cap from a player who wasn't going to play up to his his cap number anyway. He's still a good player at almost 32 years old, but he's not going to play up to $16 million a year. He's not getting that at his next stop. So this works for both sides. He has given his best years of his career to this Texans organization. He went to the management and said, can we figure something out? The same way Matthew Stafford went to the Lions and said, can we figure something out? I've right. given you all I've got. Give me a chance somewhere else. Now, Watt took the same approach. Deshaun Watson, number one, is a quarterback. He's in his mid-20s. He's at the height of his game. He makes all the difference for this team. It isn't a guy rushing off the edge the way J.J. Watt does. These, these two situations cannot be compared as much as this culture wants to make it about a white guy going to management and a black guy going to management. They're not comparable. Okay. Look, obviously Houston has big problems, right? I mean, uh, the, the Astros cheating scandal. <laughs> you get the Westbrook trade, Harden that wants out. You got Watson and, and Watt here with uh, with yeah. the Texans. Um, okay, I hear you. I I, I don't. You, first of all, yes, people want to speculate or interject whether or not race or politics or anything plays a role in a certain decision when they don't have the knowledge of whether or not that's the case, right? That's the nature of what happens. People speculate. We don't know what level of systemic racism there is in any organization, in any sports franchise from the top down. And we don't know how certain situations will be handled if different leadership was in place in those situations, right? But yes, I'm with you that this appears to be something very different and Look, we talked. We were just talking about how you'd want guys to handle things in a professional way and go to management and say, "Help, help me out, give me a chance." So if he's doing that, then we, we can't complain about that. And now we'll see where he winds up. All right, here are my top five for JJ Watt, and this is done through 
absolute objectivity. Okay. So I know you challenge one of my teams on here, but this is done through clear eyes and go. absolute objectivity. My top five landing spots for J.J. Watt. Yeah. Number one, of course, the Buccaneers. Go win with the GOAT bags. That is the best spot right now for any free agent. If the if the objective is to win, you would pick the Buccaneers. Now, if it's about your next contract and making as much money as possible, then you're not going to pick probably any of the five teams on this list. But if it's about winning late in your career, he's not even 32 years old yet, you go to Tampa Bay. What do you think? Look, I... I think everybody is uh, goes to Tampa Bay here. So, look, this is this is something that would not shock me at all. I, li- I like I like your ranking here, and uh, I know you'd obviously prefer number three. Well, that yeah, would be well, great. The Rams had the number one defense in twenty twenty. Yeah, that imagine. makes sense. Go to L. First of all, it's L. A. Okay, yeah. it's a brand new stadium. Yep. That's where the Super Bowl is next year. Would you like to play? As a member of the Rams in your own stadium, the way you just saw Tom Brady and the Bucks, you go to the Rams. You got the number one defense, Aaron Donald inside, Jalen Ramsey at corner, and they add Matthew Stafford. Go to Green Bay. Okay. Return home. You're from Wisconsin. Go help Aaron Rodgers. Here's my thing with the top two, though. Okay. Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans. Or do you want to go deal with Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona, Arizona right? So, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, go in with the GOAT. And also, Matthew Stafford or Tom Brady. Tom Brady coming up. What do you talk? So, I really like your number one. Number two seems sexy because if you pair him, right, with Donald, you put him on that team. He, he improved that number one defense, which is insane. I mean, that, that would be something really exciting to watch. Yep. But, you go play in the cold, right? We give you two warm weather destinations yeah. in Tampa and LA, or hey, go to Green Bay or Buffalo. Yeah. Um, do you want to go back home to Wisconsin, where you're from, where you played college football? And and obviously, you got a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you're seen as something of a, a savior there to help that defense, which certainly needs it. I don't think, and I'm, I don't think what look, if they sign him, I'll be excited, I'll be happy. I don't think he solves their problems on defense, my personal opinion. And you still think he has a ton left in the tank? I think he has enough. Enough left. Okay. Two, three years, I think I think he has enough. Yeah, because let's um, be clear, he's not the same guy. Yeah. Okay. No, but you've seen that. Guys <clears throat> wait in their careers, yeah. go, and they kind of just moonlight as like a third down pass rusher. That, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's who Watt is now. Yeah. I'm saying that's who could be two, three years from now is – Get him in on third down, and he just rushes the passer. Right. Buffalo, I think you make a huge difference with that. Team. Talk about guys who are good inside. The Bills have that. Guys who are good on the outside, like Tre'Davious White, they have that. Go put the Bills over the top. They're so close. And Watt would be just like that cult hero yep. in a town like Buffalo. They would love all of his workout videos on Instagram. Bills Mafia would eat it all. So this is your top five. Pittsburgh just kind of. You know, it says it there in black and white. Go yeah. play with your brothers, but it's right. not the opportunity to win. No, that's the sentimental favorite. Go play with TJ and Derek, but you're not going to win in Pittsburgh. No. So this is your top five list. It would have to be your top what list to get the Jets on you. Thirty-two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Well, he's, he he can't choose the Jets over what else is in consideration, and that's where his no. wife plays. 
for the National Women's Soccer League in Chicago. And he's not going to the Bears. I don't think that's a possibility, but I threw it in there because yep. I get just another kind of – if he gets a little pressure from the wife, you know what, maybe he ends up in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go Tampa Bay because why not? You know, and he'll be a guy who goes there and has a big impact because he'll be rejuvenated and they'll probably win another Super Bowl. Can you imagine Watt and Gronk in the weight room together? Oh, my God. No, I can't. Unbelievable. And if he goes to Tampa, we'll all just kind of throw our hands up and say, can we play the 2022 NFL season? Can we just skip to that? That would be nice. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk with two of the co-stars from Young Rock, which premieres on NBC tonight. Of course, it is about the life of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Really cool idea, concept. Three different actors portraying The Rock in three different stages in his career. We'll talk with two of them next on Honorado and the Party. Depressed, overworked, job sucks, underappreciated. When life sucks, just say Dilligaff. Our clothing line puts the FU back into fun. Nothing will give you greater satisfaction. Dilligaff isn't just an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Some people ride the crazy train, we drive that mother. Check out our selection at DillaGaffUSA.com. Now back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Young Rock premieres on NBC tonight, 8 o'clock, and on News Channel 13. And we were able to catch up with a couple of the stars in this show. Wait a minute. This isn't about young Frank Rocco? <laughs> oh man! Oh, he were watching the oh. Rockman late up at home. We're uh, we're thinking about him. No, this is not. Although that is a show I would watch. Although it would have to be on HBO or right. somewhere where you know the FCC wasn't going to be so involved. Right. Then you could do a, a so show about. So it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, Got we it. probably stole his nickname from Frank. Um, it's about The Rock when he was 10 years old. It's about The Rock when he was 15 years old. And it's about the college-age Rock. And the whole premise is that The Rock is running for president of the United States. And now this is a look back on his life when he was growing up, how he got to be who he is. We talked with two of the co-stars on the show that premieres tonight. Young Rock premieres Tuesday, February 16th at uh, 8 o'clock on NBC. And, of course, News Channel 13 in the Albany area. Adrian and Bradley, it's it's good to see you guys. Good to have you with us. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, first of all, Adrian, I'll start Thank with you, you man. Us. How excited are you for this opportunity? I I'm so excited, and I can't wait for everyone to see it, uh, including myself. It, it's going to look so great, and I have I've a lot a lot planned. 
<laughs> I love that. And you've got, a, I know you've got a lot of time to, to fulfill all those plans as well. Uh, Bradley, so many of us know Dwayne Johnson. I'll use his actual name, but we know him as the rock. We know him as the wrestler. A lot of people still do know him as the yeah. football player, but I watched the show ballers on HBO. Um, everybody knows him as one of the biggest box office draws on the planet. What did you learn about Dwayne through this process, those you play him in high school? Um, you know, that, you know, and you started that perfectly that we know him as the rock, you know, and all that and Dwayne Johnson, but you really, for me, it was just learning the normal characteristics of him. You know, everybody has their story of how they become who he is. You know, he's obviously done so many incredible things and, you know, fantastical, but he's also a normal guy. He's a family guy. And he has a story of how he became who he was. And, you know, we really got to just kind of dive in and, um, you know, highlight those things. You know, we get to do all the iconic, exciting things, but there's also a lot of beautiful layers in between of real moments of struggle and, you know, and growth that happen. And I was able to kind of, you know, relate to a lot of that. And I think a lot of people watching the show will be able to do the same. Adrian, what's fun about playing The Rock as a kid? I mean, you are basically the age he was that you were portraying. Yeah, um, it was fun. It was really, really fun. And seeing all the people he was around and all these big wrestlers and <laughs> the different technology, even TVs and music players, it was it was so different. And I, I, know, I now know why it's The Good Days. <laughs> good old days. Good old days. Yeah, the good old days for sure. Uh, Bradley, tell me, tell me what people are going to be excited about when they watch on Tuesday, and kind of how this show and and his life evolves. Um, you know, I think the coolest part about this show is all the different timelines. There's something for everyone. You know, whether you love the wrestling or. You love the high school drama. I'm chasing after Karen. You know, there's there's something. If you love football, uh, you know, there's there's something for everybody. And I think, you know, they'll get a lot of laughs and a lot of, you know, maybe heartwarming lessons that they learn. And uh, it's just so exciting. It's so much to unpack. It's ridiculous. And I love that you guys have some of the wrestling stuff in the background here today. Guys, we can't wait to see it again Tuesday on NBC. And, of course, News Channel 13, 8 o'clock young rock thank you guys continued success <laughs> thank, thank you man you. Uh, that's, uh, that's adrian, adrian rule bradley content uh, two of the stars from young rock which premieres tonight and is there anything the rock can't do yeah. right i mean we just rattled off there he was obviously a really good football player he's an iconic wrestler he's now maybe the biggest box office draw in hollywood uh, i guess i'm just going to do a show about my life yeah and how many people have a light interesting enough yeah, to where right. you can do a show with different actors featured at different points in your life and have it still be something anybody cares about watching. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe only him. Yeah. I mean, from 10 to 15 to college and now everything he's done uh, after playing at the University of Miami. All right, Bags. Get out of yeah. here, man. All right, we did it again. I'll give you an inside look at the place. You know what? I'm excited. Let's go check it out. All right, we've been live from Mohawk Chevrolet in Clifton Park. Come on up. Say hello to General Manager John Kennedy. Say hello to Sales Manager Katie Gattuso. Duncan, our thanks to the Harridan family and, of course, Andy Gelcher as well for their support of the show here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Have a great week, everybody.